Welcome to Neurosalience, the OHBM podcast. to season three of Neurosalience. This is a podcast brought to you by OHBM, the Organization for Human Brain Mapping, where we feature discussions with brain scientists from around the world, including discussions of functional and structural neuroimaging, clinical applications, methods, and challenges in the field, and so on. If you're new to the podcast, fantastic, welcome, well done for finding us. Um, if not, welcome back, and you may notice that there are a few differences around here. First of all, I am not Peter Bandatini, your regular host for the podcast, um, nor am I Rachel Stickland, the other voice you may have heard regularly on these podcasts. My name is Alfie Wern, I'm a postdoc at McGill University, and I'm going to be in charge of producing this podcast for you for uh, this season. So me and a team of highly talented podcast elves are going to be editing and producing and publishing this podcast for you. So if you have any ideas or feedback or suggestions for guests or anything else, really, then please uh, do get in touch. Please email us. Our email address is ohbm.comcom at gmail.com. I'll put it on the screen here as well. The podcast itself can be found on many of your uh, standard podcast platforms. If you found this, you already know at least one of them. But in an effort to reach a wider, more global audience, the podcast is now going to be released on Himalaya um, so that it's going to be available in China. So if you're listening to this in China, fantastic. Welcome to you. Um, also new this season, all of these podcasts are going to be available on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel now. All previous episodes are also on there, but now we're going to be in video form. Also new this season, because of this new video format, um, we've decided to showcase some brain art. OHBM has an enormous brain art sub-community, um, and the Brain Art Special Interest Group has very kindly provided those to us. And so we're going to try to showcase at least one piece of brain art at the end of every episode this season. So if you did submit brain art to the brain art exhibit at this year's annual meeting, then I'm choosing art or we're choosing art from that list. So you, that, that may feature at the end of these episodes. Before we begin this episode, I want to thank members of OHBM ComCom or the communications committee who um, are in charge of this uh, podcast and who have made this podcast possible in the past and who continue to make it possible in the future. Uh, including, but not limited to, uh, Kevin Seatek, Rachel Stickland, Elizabeth Dupree, Nils Mullet, Stephanie Forkel, Katie Moran, Ekaterina Dubrakova, and Anastasia Brovkin. We also have a blog. If you go to ohbmbrainmappingblog.com, then you will see our blog. We, we feature um, various articles, including recently, uh, we are featuring written interviews with some of this year's annual meetings keynote speakers. What follows now is a little uh, introductory episode in which Peter and I reflect about the podcast's past, episodes gone by, and also we look forward to what's new in season three, um, as well as having a little chat about science and science communication in general. I hope you enjoy the episode. I hope you enjoy the rest of the season. Thanks for being here. Have fun.
So uh, yeah, this is this is our first episode of uh, season three of of Neurosalians. How are you doing, Peter? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, uh, we took a little bit of a break, but uh, we're going to start right up in season three, and and we already have a, a bunch of interviews that are ready to go out. And uh, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's I'm I'm ready. Excellent. I think I think yeah, a lot of people are looking forward to this. I'm I'm certainly looking forward to this. I'm coming into this as a as a new uh, podcast production lead, I guess. So it's it's it's, it's a very exciting opportunity to work with you and and to be uh, involved with this. It's 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 been uh, yeah, it's really exciting. Yeah, and and uh, it seems like we have a a growing team of people. Uh, that uh, on, on OHBM ComCom uh, uh, that will help out with production, and it looks like we uh, thanks thanks to your idea we have a uh, a slightly different platform instead of just basing it all on Zoom and audio we have something slightly more professional. Uh, and yeah, so that's that's I guess the the elephant in the room for anyone who is watching this on YouTube or in any video format. We are now in in video. Uh, you, you can see our faces now, which is which is new. Um, for better or for worse, it's, you know it's exciting and it's it's you know it's a new direction for the podcast. Um, so I think it was it was Stephanie Forkel who was really in charge of of, of she she put all the previous episodes of the podcast on YouTube. They're all there to watch, but they're not they're not video podcasts. It's just still the audio that people are used to. Um, but from season three and, and onwards, I think um, you're, you're asking permission from all of your guests that, that if they're happy to have their video recorded and they will all go now on YouTube um, for people to watch. Um, I should also highlight, though, that if you are listening to this on Anchor or on Spotify or whatever platform you normally listen to it on, nothing should change. Um, everything should all be the same. Um, we're not going to be showing things on the video that are that, that, that make the audio completely nonsensical or anything like that, or we'll try not to. Um, so, so, so for people who don't want it to change, it won't. But there's a, just a new platform for hopefully a new portion of the audience to enjoy. Yeah, and potentially even the audio is going to be better because they have some extra sort of features that filter the audio properly and things like that. So. Yeah, hopefully. So, so yeah, we've we've got we've got we've got new new videos. We've got new music at the intro. We've got new. Uh, production techniques. So hopefully this is going to look extremely professional and smooth and uh, wonderful. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> great. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess now that that's that's the sort of production side of it, it's highlight, highlighting everything that's new um, production-wise. Maybe I should just start off by asking you, Peter, like, uh, how's it going? You know, two years done, and this is this is the third year of, of, of podcast recording for you, and how. How's it going? How's it been? Yeah, uh, it's been it's been um, great. I mean, you know, just as a, a quick recap, I mean, this sort of started at the beginning of uh, COVID. I sort of sort of had a you know a, a brainstorm and with a number of people, and you know, it sort of it actually started originated with uh, the uh, scientific advisory board sort of saying, "Oh, we need to have you know be more engaged in some sense," but but then it, it quickly transferred to the ComCom group and uh they they loved it and and i think they've been thinking about trying to have a podcast for a while and i and i i volunteered i i thought okay i'll i i you know i would 
I guess it started with the thought that, you know, I have many, so many really good conversations with um, people in the field at meetings and just a way of capturing that because there's so much information that kind of comes out spontaneously that that's, I think, really useful and interesting and engaging to listen to. So, um, but yeah, once I, and initially I was naively thinking, oh yeah, it'll be great. I'll just, uh, you know, talk to the people and it'll be, and, and that's kind of what it is. But at the same time, I realized that, uh, uh, it, it does involve a certain amount of preparation. Uh, I certainly don't want to look ridiculous not knowing what the person does. And so, um, so I, I do a lot of research. I look at their papers. I, I try to understand how it connects with current issues and uh, try to make it as engaging as possible. And, and yeah, it's a little bit of work, uh, but I think I've sort of mastered the schedule of that. And, and uh, uh, I think maybe over time, uh, the listeners can probably judge for themselves, but I think I've gotten a little bit better. Um, uh, it's still pretty pretty much of an amateur, uh, but at the same time, I I think in some sense that's a good thing because uh, I'm just another scientist who is trying to understand what people are doing, and and we're all kind of in this together. I think so. Uh, yeah, and 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 I've been really pleased with the fact that almost everyone uh, immediately says yes to being interviewed. Uh, they really want to share uh, what they want to do, what they do. And um, yeah, it's been, and they've been, we've had some wonderful interviews uh, uh, either about current issues or about the work that people are doing. And, you know, we're trying to make it as relevant as possible to not only the OHBM community, but even the general public too. We're trying to keep the, the pitch. Sometimes some podcasts get really into the weeds, but some of them uh, are high level enough that, uh, they're just fun to listen to for anyone. Uh, so, so I try to somehow hit that balance, uh, various places, even during the interview as well. So, so yeah, it's been going great. Um, uh, yeah, there's been a lot of good, we've had, uh, 42 episodes, I guess, uh, from my last count produced so far, uh, even for season three, I'm all, I have already, uh, recorded seven, uh, episodes, uh, uh, we even have uh, coming out in season three, I hope, the live version of our podcast that we tried at OHBM. So that was a fun one. Uh, it was it was very different challenges for me. I'm used to uh, giving interviews like in the in the quiet of my room. And one thing I learned is that on the OHBM stage, uh, uh, it's very hard to hear uh, what the guests are saying. <laughs> so. Uh, uh, if some of my questions seemed a little bit tangential, uh, it, it might be related to the fact that I didn't hear their answer. <laughs> what about a little side note on yeah. that <laughs> in the introduction? <laughs> but uh, but anyway, I think it worked out really well, and it was on a really important topic with some really good people um, uh, uh, on on the brain wide association studies. And we had actually an interview. So we had at OHBM, we had an interview uh, uh, with. Uh, people who were sort of outside of that study. I actually interviewed with a podcast that will be coming out as well of the, of the co-authors of that paper. And, um, uh, and, and that actually, I think that, that, that actually came out last season. And, and that was also a really, really good discussion. Um, it, was a, it was a great discussion. I, uh, that was one of the, one of the more recent episodes that I was involved in, in editing as well. So I, I, that's my, that's the whole reason I got involved in this. So I had excuses to listen to brilliant episodes like this and, um, I think it's 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 really high up there in the rankings of the episodes as well. So a lot of people engaged with that, um, and I think that led quite nicely into the discussion 
at the annual meeting as well. So I think I think that was that was people people like this sort of uh, controversial topic uh, as a, as, a, as a theme for episodes. I think they, they perform quite well. Yeah, yeah, we'll try to uh, do more of those as well as as we go along. Um, you know, right? Some of the podcasts are just about the researcher themselves, but uh, I I always try to bring in uh, controversial con- topics that they happen to be related. Their work might be related to um, so. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that was that was better about season two, and and I think we're going to even continue to to work on in season three is is this variety of the types of episodes that that we're showing. You know, as you say, we've got um, episodes that are focused on on the individual researchers or individual groups, and you've got controversial topics, you've got methods focused ones, you've got more clinically focused ones, and I think moving this forward, you know, having interviews with more early career researchers, maybe. Maybe multiple, maybe maybe have some sort of panel on. Um, you know, I don't want this to turn into a complete episode brainstorming session. We we, we seem to be quite good at having those on occasion, but um, <laughs> there's you know there's lots of ways that we can continue to improve um, who is being interviewed in the podcast. And also, I'm just going to plug it now as well that I'll, I'll put an email address at the beginning of the episode. If you have ideas, if you want anyone in particular to be interviewed, or if you just have ideas for themes. And people, we're very open to having people submit um, ideas and suggestions for, for interviewees or topics. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, any ideas, or else, you know, right? If you if you miss the email at the beginning, I mean, you can always email myself as well. I, I you know, respond to all the emails, and I think my email is pretty easily found, uh, uh, you know, online. So, um, yeah, I'm very open and receptive to any. You know, I, I really like the fact that some people actually want to be interviewed and, mm-hmm. uh, it, you know, helps a lot in terms of, you know, uh, the engagement in the podcast. And so, so yeah. And I also, mean, it's, it's a fun process. Yeah, it's a fun process. And also just to mention as well, I mean, uh, you know, I, I try to go, uh, you know, sometimes I, I found that when I interview people that are doing research directly related to what I'm doing, I, I, I can't help myself but kind of go into the weeds, and sometimes it's a less good podcast, I think, for for a lot of people. But but um, the podcasts that go way outside my area of expertise, uh, I, I, it's harder for me. But I think overall, I think it's sort of. I mean, I was going to ask you this anyway. Like, how does your obviously, if you're given, if you, if you've organized a podcast with someone who you've maybe known personally for a long time, who's in your field, and you know the details of their work, then that must be well. Yeah, maybe it's a more straightforward preparation process for you. But but when you're given, or not when you're given, you know, when 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 you're planning a podcast with someone who is really not your field of expertise, how is that preparation process for you when you have to then? Yeah, um, I I just do my best uh, in in reading their papers and understanding them, and I'm sure my questions are at a slightly different level than than someone who's an expert in what they're doing. Um, you know, a couple examples, uh, uh, for instance, uh, you know, uh, very early podcasts, uh, Danny Bassett, um, you know, she, I know what she does and, uh, but I'm not a, a modeler in that regard. So, uh, I was asking, uh, I think, you know, more either high level questions or questions that relate to how models relate to acquisition and, mm-hmm. and what are the limits in terms of the acquisition. So I try to, I try to bring it into, you know, maybe areas that uh, in my mind are 
are still um, somewhat uh, open and unknown, but uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, not quite going into the weeds of of modeling in that regard. So so that's kind of what. And also, you know, there's other people too. Um, I'm not a cognitive neuroscientist by training. I think you know it's funny actually after you know many years, many decades, and uh, several decades in the in the field, you even though you have a area of expertise that you got your PhD in, uh, I think that everyone sort of becomes a generalist, especially in brain mapping. And uh, for instance, cognitive neuroscience, I interviewed David Popple uh, in one episode. And, and I, that was just fascinating because uh, uh, once again, I was asking a, a little bit more high level questions um, and it, it just fostered a really, really, I think, good discussion. Of course, David's an amazing uh, guest as well. So that always helps. Um, but anyway. It always makes your life easier, I'm sure. Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, I know exactly what you mean because I, about you know, having to become a generalist. Generalist, I, 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 I feel relatively new to the OHBM community. You know, I, I came this, I, I moved to um, to McGill University, and you know, it's really a really a, a central hub for. There's lots of people involved in the OHBM community there. I only I moved there just about a year and a half ago. And that's really when I started to become integrated with this, um, with this, with this f- field even more so than during my PhD. And um, you know, it's when I, I, I haven't been to an OHBM annual meeting before that point. And and really, I'm starting. Uh, so so my background is 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 in structural neuroimaging, um, but you know, I'm 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 picking up more and more about cognitive neuroscience and functional imaging and and, and methods and all these things that. Um, you know, when you hear someone either on a podcast or at the annual meeting or wherever that might be sort of speaking really passionately about their work in those fields, even though I may have no specific background or training in them, it's, it's, it's sort of inspiring and really, uh, yeah, it makes you want to become a generalist, right? <laughs> so you, yeah, all these yeah. things you can still learn. Yeah, exactly. And I think some of the best scientists, uh, the best work you know, HBM is one that integrates, uh, you know, the best of the methods with the best questions from neuroscience. And, you know, a lot of times people sometimes confine themselves unnecessarily to, you know, you, th- you feel, you know, really, I mean, what you get your PhD in is what you've studied intensely for, you know, anywhere from, you know, three to five years or whatever. But the fact is, as you go on in the field, you're, you're always getting an education and so, and I think that really the best research is uh, from people, from groups that that integrate uh, widely uh, across uh, mm. the expertise related to brain mapping. I mean, the fact is, is that you need to, you really do need to be an expert in a lot of different things and you have to be aware of the questions. Uh, so I'm more of a methodologist and uh, it's important to sort of always keep the questions in mind. Uh, when you're developing methods, otherwise you lose the forest for the trees, and you you might produce something that's great, but it's irrelevant. So um, you do, and also, and then when it comes to you know communicating your results to people, you if like you say, if you if you're in a situation where you, where you can't see the forest for the trees, you you it becomes very difficult to remember how to explain anything of what you do in, in detail that is understandable to anyone else who doesn't understand you know at that same level what it is you're doing and yes and so so you know being able to explain it to 
methods to clinicians or, or you know the relevance of methods to clinicians or or you know why fmri should even be considered in clinical uses that things like that those those communication lines really break down if you don't uh have some sort of interdisciplinary training or just practice in in, in doing that sort of thing it's not a given that skill isn't a given you know it's, it's really something which is quite tricky that's very that's very true and everyone has their blind spots i mean everyone has uh things that they're not considering uh with regard to the thing and, and the only way to uh work those through is by communicating and having people give feedback that's clear and being open uh to trying to understand so i mean i'm constantly doing that even with clinical applications uh trying to you know, talking with physicians, saying, you know, really understanding what they actually need. Um, uh, you know, I'm constantly trying to make fMRI, for instance, more relevant. And, you know, it's everything. It's not only just getting good images after some processing and, you know, with super uh, motivated volunteers. I mean, you, there's a lot of issues uh, to to actually make it clinically relevant. And so so there's things like that. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and to bring that back around, then that's that's why. That's why podcasts like this, I feel, are you know quite important in just you know listening. If you listen to a season of of, of neuroscience, you will have such a variety of things. And even if you only, you, even if it does get in, into the weeds of the details a bit, and that's not necessarily relevant to you, you may come away from that with an appreciation for this field. Even if you don't, you know, you're not going, you're not necessarily going to go and read all the papers of this of the interviewee or get you know start doing those methods yourself maybe you will but um but you know more than anything you'll come away with it with an appreciation that this field exists this is something that people are working on and you know maybe you'll have a reference that you can you can go to if you want to know more about it yes so shameless yes. plug there but i think that's it, it seemed relevant <laughs> yeah yeah no definitely so that's our goal and uh yeah to have it as engaging and also i'm always it's interesting uh, i've only received I haven't actually received that much feedback as to how uh, the, the podcasts are. So I'd love anyone who's listening to this, just any feedback is useful, even if it's negative. I actually almost prefer the negative feedback. So that allows me to sort of, uh, you know, evaluate things in, the, in a way that maybe I'm not seeing. So uh, in theory, yeah. as academics, you know, we're, we're used to that, you know, negative <laughs> feedback is a, we, we foster thick skins and, you know, don't take anything personally. But yeah, no, it's true. Like positive feedback is 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 great, but you know, negative feedback is really where you highlight what can be improved. So um yeah, but yeah, exactly. No, I'm from a production side or from an interview side, whatever that might be, we're all we're all willing to and welcoming feedback on the podcast for sure. Yeah. And and one feedback, uh, and actually this is something I'm constantly working on as well. It's it's not it's this is not just a fMRI brain mapping uh podcast. This is everything that's related to OHBM. So all the modalities I'm trying to hit upon, uh, you know, all the types of modeling, all the applications. So uh, once yeah. again, any ideas as to who to interview would be, would be awesome. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think one other idea we had, so, so, so maybe yeah, just to circle back to something we mentioned before, you know, this, this podcast was, it was set up during, I think at the very beginning of the pandemic, right? It's, you know, really in the midst of, lockdowns and quarantining and all, all that stuff and it was i imagine so i, I mean yeah, i wasn't involved with with production at that time but i imagine it was quite a useful resource for for people who, who wanted to try to connect more with people right during during that time when when that was especially difficult um 
now, of course, people are meeting in person again. Talks are happening in person, and 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 you know, it's a very different sort of new context, I guess, to have this podcast. And and you know, so do you feel like it's got a different has to have a different focus now, or, or how do you feel that this podcast yeah, might differ? Like, well, it's interesting. I think the only difference, well, I think that will still be uh, sort of online interviews uh, for the most part, uh, almost exclusively. Uh, but I think that there might be more options for, uh, for instance, at conferences, uh, meeting up and you know, finding a room and, and interviewing uh, people. Uh, uh, and also certainly, um, you know, I, having podcasts you know, from my office with people who visit, you know, I work at the NIH, you know, people who visit and whatever, uh, that could be also something uh, I'm set up to do that as well. Uh, if yeah. Necessary, so. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, yeah. Anything the more variety, the better. Right. And, and, and I know, yeah, I think we also toyed with the idea of, of, of having some, uh, having some mics and going around on the ground at, at annual meetings going forward and maybe getting thoughts on what people are finding interesting, what they like about the conference and, and sharing some, snippets of, of of the highlights which is i guess particularly useful for people who can't attend um in person as well just to get um a sense of what it's like there on um on the day yes yes yeah that's actually a great idea um I'd, I'd love to do that as well so so yeah that's perfect um, yeah i guess um just a, a another question for you really is is um looking back on season two yeah how do you have any particular highlights from 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 that season that, that stand out to you do you have any favorite episodes yourself that you recorded uh, yeah yeah just looking back at, at i mean they were, they were all really uh good and unique um uh i i really particularly liked once once again just to mention the 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 one that was released on i guess june 15th the the brainwide association study uh episode which really hit on uh some clarifying concepts of of can we use uh, BUS clinically? Can you know what are the issues? Why do does it need two thousand subjects? Does this mean the end of uh, you know trying to look for biomarkers or things like that? So yeah, that was a great one. Um, uh, some that just pop out uh, that I remember really enjoying the conversation was uh, uh, one with Randy McIntosh, um, uh, who does uh, dynamic modeling. Uh, that was a uh, sort of a really nice uh, sort of overview of, of modeling multimodal data uh, and his work. Uh, we even had a different, slightly different um, uh, uh, episode where we uh, we took a book by Grace Grace Lindsay on modeling the mind uh, uh, and uh, uh, models of the mind. I think it was it was the title, and and we interviewed her. And I even had a guest interview. Uh, a guest joined me to help interview her because he was sort of leading a book club uh, uh, here at the NIH. So that was, that was a nice, that was different. Um, we might do more of those with people who have written specific books. Uh, uh, one fun episode for me was uh, episode 13, um, looking at a deep history of fMRI. So basically it was me and all of my uh, old timer buddies uh, sort of just uh going over the old days of, of uh, how things got started. And what's kind of cool about that is that we're all, you know, maybe at the very beginning, it was, we didn't know each other and it was sort of like this competition. But the fact is, uh, in science, uh, you know, you really, it's not 
it's not a zero sum game. And uh, the competition is all sort of synergistic and everyone ends up understanding that. And so we're all really good friends and uh, we're really good friends. We have a ton of respect for each other. And that was a lot of fun. Uh, uh, there was a, a, a great interview with uh, Anastasia Yandicki on, on her pioneering work with diffusion imaging and diffusion processing. Um, in season two, early on, I, I interviewed Jack Lant twice. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it was very different tones. The first one, uh, you know, Jack is an amazing person to interview because he just tells it like it is. And uh, a lot of times when, when, you know, person goes on the podcast, they sort of, they sort of couch their opinions and they kind of are very careful in what they say. Jack is not. And (laughs) (laughs) and that was great. The first episode, uh, I, you know, I barely could get a word in edgewise. He was just going. And uh, the second episode was also different. It was talking about, um, uh, you know, potential of fMRI and things like that. And, 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 and that was uh, more of a back and forth, but it, they were really fun episodes, uh, I think, to listen to. First one, honestly, I was a little, almost a little frustrated because I, uh, in my amateur uh, podcast uh, host uh, mindset, I wanted to sort of control the conversation a little bit and guide it. And there was, there was no controlling the conversation in that first one. <laughs> That's when um, you learn to just let go of the reins and see where yeah, they go. You're just going. And, and I, I figured I'd have another one where um, maybe things were a little bit more. But I think it shows. I mean, I'm just looking at the at the stats for the episodes now. Those those two episodes are, are up there at the front. Uh, I think people must have enjoyed that that sort of. Uh, I don't know, <laughs> you having to improvise on the spot and, and just you know seeing where it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it was fun. It was fun, and I, actually, a lot of it is improvisation. I mean, it's not really all that scripted. I have, and that's actually one of the things I do in my preparation for the podcast. I sort of come up with a list of questions, and I. I send it to them like a couple of days ahead of time so they can look at it. And, uh, and then we just kind of pick and choose, uh, as we go along. And so it's, it works out pretty well as far as that's concerned. But, um, and also one other highlight I just want to emphasize is, uh, uh, uh Eric Wong. He's not really hmm. completely in the field. Uh, uh, he is a physicist at, uh, at UC, uh, San Diego and he was my colleague, uh, when I, when we first started fMRI and he was also kind of my mentor in some regard, it was sort of an interesting, uh, relationship. I mean, Jim Hyde was my, was my mentor and, uh, officially, but, but Eric and I were kind of like the team that got things going and, and Eric pretty much taught me everything I know about fMRI or MRI. And, uh, and he got things, he really was essential. So I, I had fun interviewing uh, him as well. And he's actually, it's interesting. He's a physicist who, uh, really pioneered a lot of aspects of, of gradient coils and arterial spin labeling and things like that. But now he's decided to jump into the world of theoretical neuroscience. And so he's trying to make models of cognition. And, it's, and he's finding that it's really hard to penetrate that field if you're you know, sort of an outsider. Uh, uh, okay. Like with any of these disciplines, it's, it's, it's very tough to get over that wall because people don't know you and they don't think you know, don't know really you know what you're doing is either crazy or whatever um uh it, it, there's a lot mm-hmm. of it's not just the work it's sort of like the social aspect of it and people knowing people um and that's how we are I and mean, that's what we're all people ultimately. exactly yeah no we're all we're all more than just a sort of list of authors on a paper right this is something which i'm coming 
you're becoming familiar with now, having actually been to annual meetings and being more involved with the community is really seeing the, the people side of the science. And I think it makes it so much more, uh, so much more accessible, I guess. Also, it makes it makes reading papers much more engaging. When I know, well, even if I don't know them personally, you know, if I've met them or if I've seen a talk by them, and or if I've seen an interview by them, you, you get that personal side. And, and so, yeah, I, I think it also helps in it almost helps in critiquing the work more in in a sort of or receiving feedback more if you know who it's from or you or you, or you think you know it's come from a community who. Um, for the most part, mean well, and you know, and they, they they just want to get the best science, you know, out of this 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 process. Yeah, um, yeah, I totally, I completely agree. I, uh, there really is the human side that that uh, people have to learn that we're all kind of struggling. You know, we're all struggling with with various time constraints and understanding the literature and keeping on top of things and and coming up with new ideas. Uh, you know, and and that's a sort of a human um, aspect to all this. It's not just that, you know, the work is sort of works itself through. It's like, there's a human side to it. And, it's not just the yeah. machine that, that takes along and spits out results. And <laughs> you know, there's, there's real life people doing this stuff and it's, it's, it's nice to get to know the people doing it. Yes. Yeah. And it's fun to know what their mindset is, you know, people mm. who are really, you know, and that's actually another thing I want to emphasize too is that I, I while I, I interview a lot of the leaders in the field, I, I really want to interview more of the postdocs and students as well uh, to sort of get their perspective and uh, to just share their you know sort of help sh- make a shared experience among among all the the people that are have different struggles uh, uh, at their stage of their career. So yeah, yeah. So I mean, again, like if if if. If you know, if, if watching this podcast, if you if you know people who who if if either you want to come on the podcast and you think you you, you know you want to you want to be a guest, or if you know other colleagues or other early career researchers who want to take part, then again it comes back to just just send us an email, um, and and we'll try and we'll try and get you on if if uh, if time allows. I think it'd yeah. be a really great opportunity. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Let me just mention really quickly, um, at least the people that are queued up, uh, you know, that, that something to look forward to I, yeah. uh, without revealing all my all the cards. But, um, you know, already I've interviewed uh, and I don't know what order these will necessarily come out in, but uh, I've interviewed Bharat Biswal, uh, the pioneer in uh, resting state fMRI. Uh, that's a, that was a really fun interview about a little bit of the history, a little bit of the current issues and in, in looking at uh, Spontaneous uh, fMRI signal. Uh, Mikhail Ramat, uh, also I interviewed. She's a, a pioneer in real time feedback um, and really, really fascinating stuff on, on, on uh, using uh, uh, sort of implicit learning, uh, sort of you, where you're not even aware that your, your brain is being changed. Uh, some of her results are really compelling. Uh, I interviewed Sanji Kim, and that was an example of one where Sanji is sort of almost very much a, uh, a compatriot with with me. Uh, so that that was just basically I really you know he pioneered so much in fMRI contrast mechanisms, and I just sort of went through on all the issues of fMRI contrast mechanisms uh, with him. So that was a little bit in the weeds, but um, but it was a lot of fun and very uh, comprehensive. Uh, Arnold Villinger. 
uh, from the Max Planck Institute. I interviewed him. Uh, uh, we also interviewed the the ComCom uh, group uh, that will be coming out. Uh, uh, Jeff Binder is a uh, clinician who does fMRI of language, but he's also expanding it out. Really rigorous scientist, but also a clinician. So talking about the interface between fMRI and clinical applications. And and Lily Mojica Parodi, uh, some of you may not know her, but maybe you do. Uh, she's uh, she's been engaged in OHBM, and she actually studies, uh, uh, she models the fMRI signal, but she also looks at uh, uh, metabolic, uh, um, uh, basically her, her idea is that, you know, as the brain ages, uh, the metabolism changes. And uh, so looking at metabolic relationships of brain activity with fMRI signal, and, and she's very much uh, a proponent of things like a ketogenic diet that uses other sources of energy to uh, reduce aging and things like that. So anyway, those are what you have to look forward to so far. I have yet to invite the rest of the uh, of the season. We usually have like 20 episodes a season. So looking forward to this. I think there's a lot of really cool stuff coming up in season three. I think it's uh, it sounds good. The whole Like I said, the whole reason I got into, I, I volunteered to help with this production is that I, it means that it forces me to put the time aside and really get more aware of all the work that's going on that, uh, so I don't get too in my own head. <laughs> well worth doing. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, it's it's fun for me. And hopefully uh, uh, you enjoy listening to it as well. So, all right. Excellent. Um, unless there's anything else you want to add, Peter, then that's all the questions I have for you. Uh, not really. Uh, no, it's, it's, um, I think, um, yeah, I'm excited about the next season and, uh, that's about it. Just, uh, keep on listening, give us ideas as to how to, you know, we, we advertise a lot of our episodes on Twitter. Um, and we're looking for other types of ways of spreading the word of, of our podcast. So any ideas for that would be welcome as well. Yeah, right. and and thank you to you for for doing this as well. We you know we 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 appreciate it. It's a, it's a great podcast, and uh, you know, thanks for thanks for being the host. I guess. And yeah, well, it's like I said, it's fun for me. It's some work, but uh, I get I get a lot out of it myself. I get you know one episode at a time. I get educated on on some aspects of the of the field. So it's I, I consider it actually as part of my part of my work at trying to be a good uh, principal investigator and keep up on things. So. Of your wholesome <laughs> academic life. <laughs> exactly. Excellent. Well, yeah, thanks very much. All right. All right. Well, thank you and look forward to uh, this next season. Thanks. All right.